Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the NJ Podcast. This podcast aims to share stories, tips and insights about achieving success while having fun. From topics ranging from personal development to business, entertainment and sports, the podcast will have conversations with experts and people in their respective fields. The podcast will also share insights from Jabra James's published and upcoming books. The tagline, which is the theme of the podcast, is success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal. This means that you are doing what you have always wanted to do because it is aligned with your highest values and this is the only way you can live a truly fulfilled life. Your host, Jablo James. Hey everyone, this is NJ Kiat, the host of the NJ Podcast, and welcome back to another episode. Uh, it's 2024, new year, new me. I hope you've uh, started doing very well with your new resolutions and the things that you want to get, get done. I know the new resolutions are normally like this. Uh, get rid of your old boyfriend or <laughs> girlfriend, get fit at the gym and make more money, but in your end, but, uh, what a resolution I hope that you make here, which is going to be a theme of the show today, is to make sure to take care of your mind, take care of your mental health, because it's tough out there, man. This is when you're in health, petrol prices are up, electricity is down, our principles are crooks. <laughs> uh, a little bit. Um, but uh, thank you very much for the time to come and join us. And on the show today, for our very first episode for 2024, New Year, me is with the incomparable Dr. Samge Nova. Thank you. She's absolutely amazing. She's absolutely amazing. Of course, her bio here. It took a long time to make this uh, interview happen, but guys, never give up. <laughs> so I'm just going to read uh, a bit of a bio. Um, so in 2021, she enlightened South Africa with a passion to change the negative narratives and stigma surrounding mental health. In 2022, noted medical doctor, author, philanthropist, uh, professional speaker Dr. Sangha Jain Kobo launched the uh, Vocal Mentality, a platform to host all of the incredible initiatives she leads as she continues her mission to make a difference for mental health. Vocal Mentality at www.vocalmentality.com is a single location where you can explore the many avenues and projects in which Dr. Kobo embarks to spread the message relating to mental health, demystifying misconceptions about mental illnesses and this platform represents various facets and expressions of her love for mental health. As a professional and medical doctor, medical, listen, medical doctor, not just any doctor, guys, medical doctor, living with a diagnosed bipolar disorder, she was inspired by her desire to create awareness. Um, uh, what about awareness, about an understanding about the life of someone living with a mental illness. A lack of insight made her to originally rejecting her diagnosis of bipolar disorder, the fear of how it should be perceived if people knew about her illness. We didn't get into that. And saw her in a state of vulnerability, crippling, crippled her. She now understands that being open about her journey is empowering, expressing her thoughts and feelings would liberate her, hence the birth of vocal mentality. And she is the proud author of this beautiful book here, Reflections of a Convoluted Mind, 
a journey with my mental illness by Dr. Sanke J. Novo. This is an amazing book, and I will share links of where you can find it and you can get your hands on it because this is going to be basically the crux of the conversation we're having here today. And with that being said, Dr. Sanke J. Novo, thank you very much for making the time. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the invitation. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, lovely. Well, I hope you also be looking forward to this. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's very really great. So, shout out to the Tamil Secretary for creating us and just telling me how awesome you are. And she did mention that you've got a lot of great insights to share and that you do our world changes. So, that's a, a very good thing. And thank you very much for inspiring to all. just reading your bio and having done research on you mm. and everything that you've been able, able to come here. So, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And it's been a journey and one I'm, I'm grateful and happy to share. Yeah, 100%. So if you can just, uh, just, uh, just uh, get us started. And who exactly is Dr. Samgay J? Well, outside of the bio, outside of uh, medical doctoring, outside of uh, being an author, professional speaker, who are you? And uh, just share with the people some of the things that uh, make you take That's quite a broad question. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and... I think it's uh, one thing that I appreciate in that question is to say that outside of all these things that yeah. I do and I've done, who am I? Because yeah. those are the sort of the bells and whistles and frills of who I am. That's not the essence of who I am only. I'm somebody who values relationship, yeah. who values yeah. connection. Yeah. Um, you'll find me engaging in a good conversation. Yeah. I'm raised, born and raised in Anglican Church. Yeah. Um, I went to the school. Yeah. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, um, I'm somebody who's a seeker of yeah. the truth. Yeah. Um, my spiritual life is very important to me, and yeah. uh, my, my, my relationship with God is quite important to me. I think it's kept me sane as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was raised in Durban. Mm-hmm. I'm a pure Durbanite. Came to Johannesburg ten years now, it's eleven years ago. Yeah. Um, and I've just pursued a life for myself whereby I want to be with authenticity. I value authenticity greatly. And yeah, I, yeah. Whenever I find spaces where I can connect in that level, that's where I am. Yeah, well, that's good. So I want to get straight into into it. So how would we diagnose a mental illness? Because in my readings, you know, like you interact with people who say I'm suicidal or I'm depressed or I'm unhappy. Maybe they have a mental illness, but maybe it's just something's wrong with their diet or maybe it's just mm-hmm. something's wrong with how they, how, what their lifestyle is like. So what, what is it if someone wants to come to you and say, doctor, I am, I feel like I have a mental illness. What would be the or your process of inquiry of that for you? That's a very important question. Yeah. Um, if one suspects that they are struggling with mental health issues, or you suspect a loved one to to be struggling with something that's possibly a, di- a diagnosed mental illness, yeah. the first step is to pursue, go, go to maybe your general practitioner yeah, who yeah. can uh, refer you on to a psychiatrist. Yeah. So the person who is the who diagnoses mental illness as a psychiatrist. Yeah. Also, another avenue is going via a psychologist who can then refer you on to a psychiatrist. Yeah. But discussing mental health issues is not something we look up at social media on oh, Instagram, Instagram page only, or, <laughs> you know, 
Or looking at it at maybe just a magazine article, then you just say, I have depression. Yeah. You may relate with someone's story, yeah. relate with someone's symptoms, yeah. but even hearing me speak about my journey, you can't be you then saying that I have bipolar disorder, yeah. I have depression. It's yeah. important for it to be diagnosed mental illness. Mm-hmm. And then the person who diagnoses it, who deals with mental health disorders, is a psychiatrist. Yeah. And psychologists as well deal with that as well. Oh, okay. All right. So I can't just go into TikTok. TikTok. No, they don't do that. Because one of the challenges that we're having is that you, I, I'll speak to somebody and say, um, you know, they'll discuss their mental health issues, which is, you know, we all, I believe, have had a mental health challenge at some point in our lives. That doesn't automatically mean that we now have a mental illness. Oh, okay. So you can't automatically maybe tick boxes that you found on Google. Yeah. And they'd say, I have depression. Because my next question will be, who diagnosed you? Yeah, and you can't say, I've been feeling this way for five months. I'll ask you, did somebody say that you have it? Okay. Or, you may suspect that there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. It needs to be diagnosed and it needs to be supported. And if you have that challenge, you sure. need to pursue the right support. Yeah. As you would, if you break your leg, yeah. if you fall um, painfully yeah. or you, and you're, not, you're now limping, you won't just say, I broke my leg and leave it at that. You'll yeah. get an x-ray. Yeah. You will go to an orthopedic surgeon. You'll go to a hospital casualty. So why is it that when it comes to mental health issues, we do it differently? Because sure. that's also a mental disorder or a mental illness. No, I'm, I think I was speaking to a friend of mine, uh, Alec, I will drop his name because he's like a very good friend of mine. So I think it was um, 2019 or 2020. During COVID pandemic times, his uh, his father passed away, um, and then he said to me, "I'm going to the psychologist uh, to go deal with mental health." Um, and then I'm like, "Okay, that's good." And then he said to me, um, "The analogy was given to him. He was saying a lot of times that you say we'll break a leg or get involved in concerts." will start bleeding and then we'll go to a doctor to go deal with that bleeding or that broken leg. So why don't we do the same thing with emotional damage? Yeah, so they said, I'm going to deal with all the emotional damage because uh, you don't want to find yourself. You're driving and the next thing you stop crying. Um, <laughs> pull off all the silence of it. You have a mental breakdown for hours and hours and then you wonder what's going on, but you never actually deal with it. Absolutely. And it's exactly that. For some reason, when it comes to these issues, there's such a stigma related to it. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Sure. Um, there's, there's a shame that it comes with that you're struggling with your mental illness. If yeah. you are wearing a cost, you're not going to hide that you're wearing a cost. Sure. It doesn't mean that you have to announce that you're seeing a psychiatrist, yeah. you're seeing a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. But if you've broken your leg, it is the reality that you have. Yeah. So if you're having mental health issues, that's the reality that you have. And you're seeking the support is a great step. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, uh, in your in your story, and you say that you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm. So, <laughs> that's the thing with um, with mental illnesses like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. We have a tendency to just use these as blanket terms, um, right? Uh, well, like in my experience. So, I just want you to share exactly what it is because, because uh, sometimes I'll be in a good mood, then I'm in a bad mood. This idea of a bipolar. There's a because someone who I consider uh, have to have a person that has a lot of mood swings, 
And then that person is like, something is actually wrong with me, and then the self-confidence goes down. And then they start exhibiting the behaviors of that where it's actually wrong. So can you share um, in your experience what is bipolar disorder so that we're very clear on what it actually is? Okay, so there's different types of mental illnesses. Okay, okay. Uh, and I think that is why it's so important to have conversations like the one that we're having. Yeah. Because education is what helps us demystify these misunderstandings. Sure. Um, because you, you can perpetuate something that that's inappropriate, you know, um, to say, misdiagnose people and say, oh, that one is bipolar, they're moody. But yeah. that's not what it is. Yeah. So it's a type of... It falls under the category. So there's different types of mental illnesses. There's psychotic disorders. Okay. For example, schizophrenia is a psychotic type of illness. Yeah. Bipolar disorder falls somewhere in between the mood. It's one of the existing okay. spectrum, as you okay. say. Okay. So um, it, it's a type of mood disorder. Mm -hmm. So depression is also a type of mood disorder. Yeah. As well. yeah. So oftentimes, or not oftentimes, over the years, it's evolved. Um, you know, psychiatry and mental health education uh, has evolved in terms of how things are defined. Yeah. But basically, to put it simply so that it doesn't become a confusing thing, it's a type of mood disorder yeah. where one displays um, changes in how they uh, their mood is regulated. Oh, okay. So it's a chemical imbalance. Oh, it's okay. a lifelong illness. Oh, okay. And oftentimes when people talk about lifelong, it's not a nice thing to hear because you're saying, am I going to medication for the rest of my life? Yeah. But the reality is, yes, it is that reality. So the person who will then, if that's why it's so important to have a relationship with a psychiatrist in terms of them diagnosing you because you'll end up diagnosing the whole world if you're going to base it on saying you see mood changes and yes, yeah, yeah. diagnosis of mental illness. Yeah. So there's a certain set of criteria. Um, there's a textbook, big textbook yeah. called the DSM-5. The DSM-5? Oh, wow. Um, That's really dope that this is real. Yeah. <laughs> so there's certain criteria that one has to satisfy then one that will make one then be defined as saying they have bipolar disorder. So mm -hmm. mood changes, thought disorder, your thoughts can be disordered, can be increased uh, pressured speech. Sure. There's different um, symptoms that one will display. Um, so, you know, sometimes people will say that, not that I'm a textbook definition of it, but I've displayed most symptoms and would say that I have the diagnosis. Okay. I've tried over the years to, through being in denial, okay. um, just that, to avoid that reality. And also, one of the things that's a challenge is the fact that there's such a stereotype of what a mentally ill person looks like, yeah. which, which is why I'm so... Uh, vocal about my journey because people it don't expect me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. It's so basic in how they portray it. And that portrayal is what perpetuates stigma. The uh -huh. media, television, uh, how people talk about a mentally ill person. Yeah. And to be a medical doctor and then say, I live with this as well, was a career risk, I believe, because of how I've been perceived by people. I think 
seeing yeah, like colleagues were in it, um, people who don't know me, because I started an organization, which is not an organization, but um, I had started the WhatsApp group as a way of communicating with people. Sure. And I changed the admins and made myself the admin okay. so one could remove me from the group. Okay. It was just a series of chaos. And that's when I left those voice notes. And sure. then, unfortunately, as negativity spreads, people started to share those voice Oh, wow. So you went viral. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Thank you. It's now. But that's basically what happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was saying things that don't make sense. I remember, I mean, I don't have, like, I have a, not a very recollection. I remember the day when that was happening. Um, I was saying things that were, were not making sense. Yeah. I was threatening. I was not... You know, it was just a very ugly space. And being vulnerable is difficult enough for people you care about. Sure. But you might be vulnerable to people who also don't know you, or yeah. people who don't know you in that capacity, or people who do not even know about my diagnosis. Yeah. And then they're finding this composed individual that they're always here at work, being in the state of turmoil. So yeah. that's what happened. So after having that public display of vulnerability, I felt that there was nothing that I can fear, if it makes sense. Yeah, because, it's sense. because now it's, it's out there. So yes. Like now you know. Yeah, yes. Though regardless of how it happened, now you know. Yes, and I decided to take charge of my narrative because I actually literally had a personal conversation with myself um, or God spoke to me um, inter- internally, that is. Um, it was a choice because I, I, I had cried so many nights after that, woke up at 3 a.m. and I thought, did this happen or was this a dream? Did this happen or was this a dream? I kept waking up to that. And then I finally got to a point now COVID had started and sure. lockdowns had happened. So there's a lot of time by myself. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, I said to myself, Sanke, you can't escape yourself. On this earth, you Ooh, cannot escape that's yourself. A, I mean, that's a very, that's a bar right there. You cannot escape yourself. Yes, I can't, you yeah. can't escape yourself. So it's either you walk in shame for the rest of your life. Sure. No one knows your story. Yeah. You're always ashamed if you bump it to people. You yeah. feel apologetic yeah. about it. Or you take charge. And yeah. when I took charge, the rest is history. Sure. Oh, that's very good. Wow. Like, I can only imagine. I mean, like, did the people come to you who are on the WhatsApp group? It was like, how old? What's going on? Yeah. Yes, people who cared about me were concerned. They reached out. They wanted to know what's going on. Sure. Maybe people exited the group. Like, I'm not Yeah, people like, what's going on? Maybe someone would hang this. And then there were obviously people who weren't being responsible. It became gossip and sharing. So, which is stigma. And I talk about that, that we don't realize that stigma is not just about pointing at somebody and, and laughing at them sure. um, when they struggle with anything, yeah. particularly mental health, as this is our topic. But stigma is perpetuating something where you sharing content of somebody being vulnerable in their in the yeah. um, We don't realize, um, you know, I'm not going to name names, but the musician who's always seems to trend with what he says, who said to have bipolar disorder. Spreading that, knowing that the person is unwell, yeah. is, a, I believe, is a stigma. stigma. Yeah. Because if you have an awareness that somebody's not in their right mind, yeah. Yeah. with what attention then are you sharing that content? Views. I want views. That's the thing. I mean, the ones that like, I think it's, some people don't do it maliciously, but some people do it maliciously knowing that Absolutely. this is, 
content that that's going to go viral, so it can be views, and I'll build my profile. But at the expense of somebody Absolutely. else who's not well, I consider Absolutely. evil. That's just me. Absolutely. I think that's evil, yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. And yeah. when I had my episode, you know, pros people, the people who work... Why do you call it having an episode? Like, it, it is. It is because the fact, of the fact that um, it's not the first one I've had. I've had a series of... So I had my index presentation sure. of my illness, which was now, oh my goodness, time flies, 2001. Oh, right? It's yeah. 23 years ago. Yeah. So that's called the index presentation, which means the first presentation with the illness. Okay. Uh, then how, does that, how does that work, by the way? Like, what happens in an index presentation? So that's basically the first time you get diagnosed. So somebody is depressed, the first time they come in contact with amazing healthcare services, uh, it comes in many forms, okay. basically. Um, it, I don't know how one would um, present it. So one would come to the psychologist, maybe their first time in, in contact with them, would be by an occupational therapist, might sure. be by a psychiatrist, might be by a general practitioner, and then the, the support, the help comes in that way. The episode may come, that the, that index episode may something may present it suicidal. So there's many ways one oh, can, can present. So that's basically the first time you present with mental illness. Oh, okay. Um, so that was my first time. And if it's not tick box, it was chaos at that time. It didn't I didn't just go to my psychologist and then say, Oh, we have bipolar disorder. Oh, yeah, let's refer you on to a psychiatrist. Oh my goodness, we stop medication. You live happily ever after. Sure. It's a journey of acceptance. It's a journey oh, of yeah. It's a journey, basically. So yeah. So what happens to you in mentally and emotionally? Where it's like, okay, I've now been professionally certified, diagnosed with this mental illness. What does what did that do to you? Because someone uh, out there might have all the the symptoms of it, but they're afraid to go get the certified diagnosis. Say. This is what's happened. What did that and, do for you? Uh, you know, it wasn't easy. If you sure. if you backtrack it, I was fourteen. It's You're not fourteen. It's not. I'm I'm thirty seven. Thirty seven. So that it doesn't it didn't come linear. That's what I'm saying. That when you speak of episodes, it, it means that there was definitely an issue, maybe of acceptance, uh, uh, the right to the psychiatrist, to you know, because I've had I've had different. I had different presentations with my illness because it wasn't controlled well. Sure. You know, um, and at that time, there, there was not an understanding that there is now, at least now, you know, being driven mental health day, yeah, yeah. World Mental Health Awareness Day, these organizations that are more overt and outspoken about mental illness. Sure. But at that time, it wasn't the case. So sure. I had displayed these uh, symptoms of hearing voices, seeing things. And people didn't understand. So people dismissed it as I'm demon possessed. Others said I I'm bewitched, you're too clever, or this or this. There were so many hypotheses for that. Why why does that make sense that people will say that you're bewitched or demon possessed? It's not understanding. People and, and to this day, there's still a problem in certain parts of the country and world and Africa um, related to understanding mental health, mental illness, because there's a lack of um, education surrounding the topic. There's a lack of the support. Uh Now we've found that you have this diagnosis now, but not everyone has access. Um, Only 10% of people have access to mental health care services. Yeah, yeah. That's a 
Let's just look at the suite. All you take is have the access. Have the access. Okay, yes. so there's access and we'll be able to afford it. There's so many issues surrounding it, basically. And for every one person, yes. there's a hundred thousand psychiatrists. So for every one psychiatrist, there's a hundred thousand people, which speaks to the need, the ratio of that. So do you see Y'all must be coining it. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a medical doctor. I'm corporate wellness. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not a psychiatrist, but my friends who are psychiatrists feel overburdening in the sense that there's such a high demand waiting list in private that it's even in government, the system is overwhelmed. Wow. Because of the fact that there is just not enough manpower for the need. Sure. More people are coming forward, but there's just it's just so difficult to reach everybody. Yeah, that is actually crazy. Mm-hmm. For one person, there's a hundred for one psychiatrist. Yes, yes, yes. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That is real lot. So after you, so after you're diagnosed, mm-hmm. you had the index presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the journey going? I want to batch up between you having uh, the the WhatsApp episode. Yes. I want to batch up from there. So you had the index presentation. Yes. yes. And then you had to go through the process of what I said. Yes. What was the other major event that shaped your journey towards um, coming out and saying, I don't know if there's a yes. chance. No, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, and, and the key word there in your question is journey. Yeah. Um, it was a journey. Um, so it took many episodes denying it. Yes, yes, uh, many hospital admissions. I wasn't admitted once to the hospital. So, so what, 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 uh, warrants a hospital admission? Um, if you're a danger to yourself, okay. if you're a danger to other people, if you volunteer that you're seeking the support, sure. um, then you will need an admission. But mainly, so there's different types of admissions. Uh, you, you could be a voluntary mental health care, uh, voluntary admission. Yeah. Where, for example, if I'm not feeling well, currently, as yeah. an example, um, you know, and like I'm saying, you're talking access as well. So it's sure. a deeper question. I don't want us to go yeah, yeah. to on another tangent. But if I come forward and uh, my former psychiatrist and I'm not doing too well, I'd like to, you know, get the right support, get um, mental health care support in, in, in hospital support, that will make me a voluntary mental health care um, user um, or admission. Then you have an assisted person. Mm-hmm. So you say you are struggling, uh, you're a danger to yourself, or you might be a danger to other people, yeah. uh, but you are you are agreeable yeah. to being admitted. So your wife could take you to the hospital. Sure. Uh, then there's somebody who is an involuntary mental, uh, involuntary admission, an involuntary admission. So you may find that, you know, somebody is out of control on the streets and um, or at home breaking windows. They don't want to go to the hospital, but they need to go to the hospital because it's, because it's a problem. They're a danger to themselves yeah. or somebody who's suicidal is posing a danger to themselves. Sure. Um, or you're a danger to other people, as I was saying about the person breaking windows. So yeah. that person would be an involuntary mental, um, involuntary admission. Yeah. Somebody who's suicidal might themselves see that they need the support. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be involuntary, but they may fall under that category if they're refusing an admission. Sure. Um, so those are the different categories of admissions. Um, you asked me about um, my journey yeah. of acceptance or getting to a point where 
I did not know what was happening to me to a point where now I'm speaking openly about it. Yeah. Um, it took several admissions to hospital. It took several, it took denial. It took becoming sick and tired of always running around in circles. Yeah. And it also took one of the most important things is getting the rights fit of a psychiatrist sure. who was who would listen to what I have to say, yeah. who gave me the right combination of medication. Yeah. Right combination of medication, right explanation. Yes, yeah. intellectually, I navigated this journey from the age of 14. So I was aware and that this, this is happening. Yeah. But the understanding going beyond intellect, mm. just to say, let's sit down. Mm. What is happening, doctor? What is Let's take me from being the doctor myself, yeah. but let's talk to you at a level of saying you're a patient needing support. Yeah. So she explained to me uh, at a level that I could understand that this is what happens to you when you're not well. Yeah. Um, and this was in 2017. 2017. So I only accepted my illness 16 to 17 years later after wow. being diagnosed. Wow. So it was a revolving door, always being admitted now and again. That's a long time. Uh, medical school is very difficult. Yeah. Uh, those are times when annually, twice a year, I'm in hospital. Um, wow. It was affecting me. And it wasn't because of the academics. Yeah. Um, it was yeah, just a stressful period in my life. Like, that's super smart. <laughs> Medical school is not easy in itself. It comes yeah. with its own pressures, but I'm just saying that it wasn't that that was perpetuating the illness. It was just a stressful period in my life. Yeah. A lot going on and it would trigger my illness as well. I didn't have the safety unit of taking my medication. Okay. Side effects. I gained 30 kilos at some point in the space of four months. That's also Yes. So wow. um I now have the right fit. I'm, you know, I, it, I've had my moments. Yeah. It hasn't been linear. Like I'm saying, I accepted in 2017, but as I speak, 2020, I still had an episode. Sure. So my psychiatrist always underlines and says, it is a journey. Yeah. And I want to say that to people who navigate mental illness to be kind to themselves. Yeah. It is a journey. Yeah, um, to be kind to themselves. I think that's a, a hard thing for people to do, yeah. to be kind to themselves. Because I mean, from what I've listened and what I've read and what I've researched, if someone has is facing something like this, it's, that's a stigma. Because as you said, there's a stigma. It's not oh, it's not socially acceptable to be told you've got a mental illness, right? They'll be like, "What is wrong with me? I'm less uh, of valuable as a human. People are not going to like me." And so having all these, these these negative thoughts. So what do you say to a person who's going through that line of thinking to say? Yo, I don't think people are going to accept me for whatever it is that I'm struggling with. Mm. And the reality is that as well, um, it can, if one is not accepting it, it has implications on your relationships with friends, family, yeah. partners, yeah. Um, and then it becomes a point of frustration for your loved ones. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe they can see that you have the challenge, but you don't accept it. So there's so many layered issues related to it. So how do you say to someone who's an involuntary, um, what's, I don't know what the term is, yeah, involuntary admission or mental health care user. Yeah, there we go. The person's involuntary mental health um, admission. Involuntary admission, basically. Involuntary admission. How do we get them how to do we get them, How do we get them to admit? Because um, I would see it as being similar to having an addiction of some sort. Because so those people who know they've got an addiction and those people who 
or in denial about having the, the addiction. So then now it's, we just move to the realm of mental health. So how do you get someone who's involuntary, who doesn't want to admit that maybe I've got It is a complex, um, challenging journey. You can't just put a, put a gun to their head. Um, hey, you want to call? You really <laughs> can't. can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't force someone to accept. You can't force somebody to um, seek help. Sure. Because say you get them admitted to a hospital sure. and they get given the medication, they get discharged, and they still haven't accepted it. It becomes it's still a challenge because you can't supervise them to twenty four seven. So it's a very complex and challenging um, area or space basically because um, you know you could be in and out of hospital for a lot, the longest time. I'm an example of that. Mm. I was not accepting because I would see people in the hospital that. I felt don't look like me, don't yeah. resemble me, yeah. in the sense that it was them versus me, sure. and I struggled with that. Yeah. Um, and to get to a point where I was like, this is disruptive. Yeah. Being in hospital all the time means there's something to it. And I always get that desperate question from loved ones of people who yeah. ask me, how did, you know, they sort of want to bring me forward to their loved ones with me, like, Please, this person, yes, yeah. get it yeah. to them. And it's a challenging thing because it's not an immediate thing. Yeah. It's a process. Yeah. might take a day, might take a week, might take a year. Yes, yeah. It's not an immediate thing, and I don't have an answer to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so There's no, I don't have a 10-step. Psychoeducation is so important yeah. for the loved ones, for the person. Yeah. You do your best. You try not to give up on the person. Um, but even the word psychoeducation, like if you hear the word psycho, okay, maybe use the word psycho out and say education. It's just to say when you say psychoeducation, it's about any. It's about any topic. Yeah. It's not. It's not saying you are psychotic. Yeah, because where I'm coming from, where I'm coming from is that, is that again, it's the whole stigma to if someone was to insult someone, say you're a psych. No, well, that no, no. it's not even meant that way because the work yeah. that I do yeah. um, currently relates to psychoeducation sure. to corporates yeah. uh, about mental health, mental yeah. illness, mental wellness. Yeah. Um, the work, vocal mentality, one of the arms of what I do relates to psychoeducation. psychoeducation. And it's not about saying, your cycle, so I'm educating you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no, that's good because I'm a I'm a big Batman fan, right? Um, you, you know, the character Batman, a big huge fan, huge fan. And then he's got this Genesis album that's called The Joker. Okay. So he's I don't know how I would diagnose him psychotically. He just causes chaos. He kills people. He robs banks. He just he causes a lot of chaos. Um. And you could be diagnosed as a mental illness, but there's no reasoning behind what he does. One of the versions of the character, there's no reasoning behind what he does. Because it's like, well, one, one other character would be like, I'm causing havoc in the city because I'm sending a message just to say, you guys are all hypocrites or, and one wants to, um, make the poor rich, like equalize the whole, um, financial gap, the economic scale. He comes along and says he's causing chaos simply because of that the fact that he's causing chaos. Mm. Well, there are some people who've got uh, a psycho diagnosis or an issue where there is no reasoning behind what they're doing, other than the fact that, that that's what they want to do. Yes, there are people, okay. and those people would probably be in the forensic units. In the forensic units, Because, okay. um, 
you know, that relates to personality disorder. Yeah. We are antisocial. Yeah. That's the whole thing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, they might be have a social personality disorder. Yeah. Uh, they might be people who, you know, in the state that you're doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. Are you aware? Yeah. Are you mentally at all not doing it? Yeah. Or are you intentionally just being inverted commas evil for for lack of a better word? Yeah. Um, you know, you meaning you're your right mental state. Yeah. So you're doing something that's wrong and highly inappropriate. Yeah. But it's not that you are in a psychotic state of illness. Yeah. But it does excuse the behavior. It does excuse the So that would put you maybe in a forensic unit. In a forensic unit. Well, that's that. You know, when you say forensic, that title is like a, a big word to use because um, because there are some people that we can say, okay, the doctor Sangha has got bipolar or someone has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. But then in your case, outside of forensic, oh, the people who just evil, just like acting crazy because of the fact that they have been crazy. I do believe that there's a, a presence of evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question. So the question, so the question I'm asking is, um, are there people that you, in your experience, come across who exhibit, I don't know, what psychopathic tendencies? Yes. But they're hiding behind that. To justify the evil behavior. That's why we need very good forensic psychiatrists, okay. which they are, uh, which they are, uh, because those are the people that can tell that is this person doing this in a state of illness yeah. when when they are unwell. Okay. Or is you know when I speak about That's the forensic crazy. unit, yeah. the assessments are so intense, it's they are so thorough, and to see when this person was doing whatever they were doing. Yeah. So you know, people always get afraid. I also used to get afraid before I started, um, you know, working in mental health care services. When you hear on the radio somebody says something really, really bad, and then they're going for assessment, then you're thinking they can hide behind that. Yeah. But it's such a thorough assessment. Yeah. That. For like the spring psychiatrist to say that the person was unwell when they did that, it it it, it doesn't mean that if they did, declared in that way, it then makes them go home and carry the happy life. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have. It, that's not how it works. Isn't okay. All right. So, um, what at what point would a person have to be, um, booked into a mental institution for a long time? Because uh, some of the interactions and, you know, social media, pop culture references of people dealing with mental health issues, where you see this white padded room, they have straight jackets, and they declare that they're in a, uh, they're a minister themselves into a society. I don't know how, in reality, that... It's not. It's not. You just quickly put it, okay. very quickly say it doesn't look like it. <laughs> um, but... Um, it varies if the person's symptoms of mental illness, like the, the the like I mentioned to you, the different types of admissions. If um, you know, um voluntary assisted and voluntary, then I mentioned um if the person's symptoms are settling, yeah, and the person remains a danger to themselves, to themselves yeah. and other people, um, I don't want to say release them to society, but all I'm saying is to say they wouldn't gain be out of the hospital yeah, setting yeah. until they they are safe to themselves. Yeah. Then there's people who 
might not be uh, well 100%. Sure. But it doesn't mean they require to be admitted. So there might be an placement facility, for yeah, example, yeah, yeah. where there's long-term care. There's different kinds of care. I think it's a very unexplored area of yeah. health. Um, but the... You know, I, I, it's it's a known reality that mental health care services are very under resourced in our uh, country, sure. uh, under prioritized. Yeah, well, I, I get that. I get that sense. So, um, what advice would you give um, a family member, someone who's got a family member who's been having resources, um? And so all is also sort of like in value and function. I know you don't have to say, take this, like do this, do this, do this. But at an emotional level, just like giving you that sort of level of comfort to say, there is a way that you can help your loved one who's dealing with whatever mental illness. One of the biggest things I would say as a take home in that regard is to say, your own mental health matters as well. I expect to cause sometimes you get so consumed in this process of the next person, the loved one. Yeah. And it drains you. So this is you. This is the loved one. And you're so consumed in their process and compromise your own mental health. Yeah. Um, you know, the term where people say supporting the supporter. Yeah. It's so critical to also take note of your own mental health. Yeah. Um, compassion. Yeah. I know it's hard to say. It's, it's, you know, it'll feel like I'm an outsider looking in to say, Compassion, patience. When you say, but it's been 15 admissions to hospital, it's been 20 years of this process. What do you mean I must be patient? Yeah. Um, I don't know when that, that, that moment of reckoning will be where the person finally makes a turnaround if they do. Sure. But don't leave yourself behind in that process where your quality of life is now. So I would say that um I thought we can't control the the person's other person's reality. Yeah. But it's just saying your care, your sure. well being, um is important. And you know, in an ideal ideal world, um having a you know, family meetings, meeting with psychiatrists, mm. psychologists, finding ways to you know, support the whole family unit because the mental illness, one thing I learned in my illness is yeah. one of the things about my internal world yeah. was to realize that this is not about me only. This yeah. impacts my loved ones. Yeah. It yeah. impacts my family when sure. I become sick. It's not about me only. It's not about yeah. me being in hospital and then being discharged. It affects the people around me. So I need to be cognizant of that, that it's not about me only. Yes, and it's not just about you as well. Yeah, because it's very, it's very tough seeing people suffer because their loved ones suffer. I mean, I've had friends and colleagues who had their brother or their sister addicted to drugs. And that is high, I think. They're all money, people are coming after them, and what they wouldn't admit is how it's actually damaging their, themselves mentally as well. So, um, yeah, like in the work that you do. Like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe now button. Follow on YouTube, Instagram, and other platforms listed. Also, check out the website for more information. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for the support. Now back to the show. What has been the most extreme case that you've seen? Not personally. But you say you do a lot of work with corporates and the models. What are some of the most extreme 
uh, cases that you've seen? How is that dealt with, or is that being dealt with? I've seen a lot of extreme. Not necessarily in the corporate space, yeah, because um, it's a different kind of consulting. But in the hospital settings, where I've heard a lot of things in terms of you know what is happening over there. Uh, a person in their little state has maybe done well, they were not well. Yeah, yeah. You could harm people because you're not well at that point in time. Yeah. Um, you know, breaking property, you know, I think one of the challenging parts of my the work that I've done over the years in terms of when I was a registrar, I think I, I struggled a lot when I was the forensic units. Oh. Um, not struggle, but it was just difficult to take in um, the things that have been, you know, that have happened in families affected by somebody who's unwell. Yeah. So I'd say the forensic aspect of it has been a challenging one. It is. Okay. All right. Cool. So then, um, with men, right, um, we suffer a lot and the stories were untold. This is not focused on, you know, women. You know, the whole GBV thing, you know, like men are trash, all that, all these men are being slandered, going through a really tough time. Um, and one of the, the statements out there is that men are not supposed to feel this. Men are not supposed to cry. Men are not supposed to go through this emotion. Men are supposed to go strong. What do you, as a women's politician, have to say about that time school of this? We need to change the narrative. Yeah. Um, we need to change the stereotyping of girls and boys and at a young age, yeah, like yeah. foundationally. Okay. Yeah. Because it doesn't just start when men are, I don't know, 20, 25. Yeah, but then so. But you know, sense. you're socialized to react in a certain way to situations. Yeah, yeah. You're socialized to react in a certain way emotionally. Yeah. And from a young age, if a child is feeling like they want to cry, how they, uh, enabled to express their emotions needs to be nurtured at a young age. Yeah. So it doesn't start when they now in an office job or wherever they're working that they tell them how to respond to people and to stresses. I believe that that's a very not late, but it's yeah. quite at an advanced stage. It needs mm -hmm. to be done at foundationally preschool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, preschool. When there's a conflict situation, there's bullying, for example. Um how do you tell your child who's being bullied or is the bully to respond to that? Yeah. You know, um, I think those things start at a very young age and then people grow up to that. So I think it comes involving parents and yeah. all of that. Yeah, at a very young age. Um, and then from your perspective, uh, what males, not to make names, but like in terms of generalities, what issues have you seen made both of them uh, cycle? Of the perspective. Um, are they are the most common from a male perspective? And if you can answer that. You mean the presentations, what illnesses they have? Yeah, the presentation of So, one of the things that they, but what is a challenge is, you know, that suppressed anger? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and men and women can both present depression. Yeah. But how does it come expressed? Yeah. How do you? pick up that this person, this male, this gentleman is depressed. Might be different how you pick up maybe how a woman is. Yeah. Um, it's not an umbrella term to say men present like this, women present like that. But 
but um, how it enters, you may find that the, some people might not necessarily uh, always aggressive, but then you find that they may become more aggressive because they're struggling with uh, work pressures, emotional pressures, financial yeah. pressures. So, yeah. Okay, right. That's a, that's a, a, an interesting thing. So men have got a lot of anger. No, I'm not saying that men have a lot of anger. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying uh, how they express their emotions. It's like human. Maybe I'm making difference. So yes. like, okay, so just just take the things against. I'm not saying I'm not making an umbrella term to say yeah, men have anger okay. issues. Sure, no, I'm sure, not sure, saying sure, that. Sure, okay, I'm just saying that how they get to express their emotions is not as encouraged as women. True. Kids to uh, express their emotions. Yeah. So if you find a man crying, yeah. there actually might be difference between when someone sees a woman crying. Yeah. Over maybe the same issue. Yeah. But a man is not given that space. Yeah. So I think we need to have um, a society that evolves better and how men are encouraged to express their their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what 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 is uh, one of the best ways you would say men should express their feelings how would you if you were give were in charge of making sure that men are specifically mentally well what 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 would you put in place to say okay uh this is where how we're going to dress this is where this is where you're going to express your emotions this is how we're going to help you get the for me i'm a huge advocate for uh, the psychotherapy uh-huh um, I, I don't think enough men do that. I don't think enough men. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. If I, if you really something, sure. um, I think we need to destigmatize what that means. What mm -hmm. is that? What is it about? Um, men need, need to feel safe. And a safe space might not necessarily be, because to always sit at men say going to the bar every Friday and he's <laughs> going to drink it away. That's not a solution, sure. a conducive or, I mean, yeah. that's not a solution. But safe space, I don't believe that men have enough safe spaces to express their feelings. Sure. And I believe that psychotherapy is a safe space. So I think we need to demystify, yeah. destigmatize yeah. what psychotherapy is yeah. and what it, what it offers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then, um, Question when we started working in terms right? So what what was the impetus to say, okay, I'll take it. So now we've come out the 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 I was about to say come out of trust. Let's say you come out and say upper bipolar, right? Diagnosed, this is who I am. Doctor Sunday J Model, medical doctor, I've gone to bipolar, you are managed to do. So then what was the interest um, to start working in terms well, what was the thought to say? This is why I'm starting. The it was it was twofold. Yeah. So I when I had that major episode, I was brought up work for six months on the capacity. That is true. Six months. How I used to judge people who get booked up for three weeks. Like, <laughs> where am I going? I did my six months. Like, not just of a doctor. And I, and I had to book people over. That's I never amazing. thought it was difficult. It was incredibly Six difficult. Six months. I was booked off work from March until September. Wow. So then and that was the time when I had conversations with myself, um, introspecting. And it was during COVID, um, the time when there were heavy lockdowns. So I wasn't going to work. I wasn't in the front line. Yeah. So I really had an opportunity to reflect. 
Yeah. You look at myself. This is when reflections of a convoluted mind was yeah. was written. That's a great um, title. You know, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really remember the day the title came to me. Yeah. You know? Um so I really reflected on where to from here. Yeah. We've had a major incident happen because I had to rehabilitate. There was uh great brain functioning. So I had to rehabilitate to get back because the uh, of the impact of the the episode. Sure. I had to really look inside and say, where to from here from your mind? Yeah. What do you want? Yeah. What do they always want to hear? Sure. And this is, this is what they came. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, just explain to us what Vocal Mentality does. Vocal Mentality provides psychoeducation yeah. to schools. Yeah. One of my dear, dear passions because I was diagnosed at 14. And I've been educating young people about um, knowing to seek help and support. Yeah. It's important. Um, I work in corporate where I educate the corporate community about mental health, mental well-being, holistic well-being. I've been working with a number of amazing companies who basically hunted me to work in their wellness strategy, uh, be part of their wellness strategy related to... So you contact them or do you like for me, like contract, like for me, like for me? Formally. Formally, okay. For me. So when I say formally, there's this, this, like, this is full time. It goes like the example. Yeah. I have scheduled days that I'm committed to with various companies. Okay, okay, so okay. one of my main clients, um, four times a week, three times a week for it's been almost two years now. Wow. wow. Um, so I am working with them in their wellness strategy to improve, help employees. A passion that um, I never thought I had, and, um, I, I, and to be valued like that is something I appreciate a lot. To bring in recommendations, to see how they can improve their employee assistance programs and so forth. Sure. So um, I'm not in the clinical field anymore. Okay. Um, I've stepped out from that, um, and I'm just growing vocal mentality, mental health as well. Um, it's a passion of mine. When I said it was twofold, I mentioned that it's twofold. The work that I do before yeah, contact yeah. because I don't want people to think that Dr. Sanke only deals with female issues. Sure. And sisters for mental health is one of the things that I do. Okay, so like the the yes. Yeah. Well, they're separate entities. Sure. It's a non-profit um, company. Sisters for Mental Health is a non-profit company. Both Mentality is my company. But I want I want to even they see Sanke. Yeah. To know that Jagulo can invite somebody to live with this podcast, yeah, yeah. to talk about men's mental health issues, yeah. not just about women only. Yeah, so that 100% makes sense. So, you've been operating for what, two years now? Since 2020. Since 2020. Oh, okay. So, this is after the... Yes. Seems like... So, what's well, six months in the capacity? It's the first time I've ever... Yeah. No, it wasn't easy, but I'm going to bring it. So, the question is there, what do you do for six months in capacity? So... Do they pay you? Do they not pay you? It's a complex topic. I, yeah. mean, I think that HR specialists would be brains at explaining it thoroughly. Uh-huh. But you do get paid by a fraction of your, not your full salary. But I don't know what terms and conditions they use, um, yeah. or specific, the specifics of it, or how they get to that. And also in the terms of the career on that the wife, the person is on. I was just doing they had to to the fact that it was the is it not 24th 
that has to be completed. Like, like, yes. So you can't just say, oh, but it's a very formal process. That so someone put this like book me of words and that's it. No, no, no. It's, it's a very yeah. complex thing. I can't just be booked off and then I start another job, you know. <laughs> I'm sure people try. I'm sure they try. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Wow, six months. Wow, I'm still trying to uh, get a handle on how to do that. Yeah. So, with reflections of a common of mind, what, how, how was your journey to putting this book together? Because this entire thing, from what I'm gathering in our conversation, is this massive journey. This long journey as well. Your image presentation, through to the episode, through to the style of vocal mentality. Um, and I've always wanted to write a book. Yeah. I didn't know what it would be about. The key or the term that I would say, I'd say, I want to be vulnerable. I'm not going to be vulnerable. <laughs> I don't have a personal life in it. That's yeah, the yeah. rule that I am. And I'm just the direct opposite of that. Yeah, because to write a story, I think people need to have a level of relating with you. And if I wanted to share, I didn't, I, I said nothing to do with my mental illness. And it became about that. So I believe the timing was appropriate for me to write it. Um, I had really been in a space of soul searching yeah. and I decided to take those reflections, take those thoughts, take those, no, it wasn't like a journal entry, but I wanted to share the journey of humanizing what mental illness is about, living with it, outside of me being a medical doctor, just as somebody living with mental illness, what is it like? You ask me about people who have loved ones. That, and, and what can we say to them? Yeah. This can help. Yeah. You know, to say this is the process of somebody living with mental illness. Sure. This is the way, way you can maybe support them better. Hopefully it will be enlightening for them. And the symptoms. What is it like when somebody is depressed? What is it like when somebody is suicidal? Mm-hmm. What is it like when somebody is psychotic? What is psychosis? Mm-hmm. What is it like? What exactly. is psychosis? Yeah. Um, you know, all these terms get thrown around in mental health that people exactly. don't understand. Exactly. So exactly. I talk yeah. about that and yeah. um, with the whole. So the thing is, a suicide is a really uh, topic, right? It's a nothing says a good topic. It's a, it is. <laughs> when I say big, I'm saying it's important. Yes. Because a lot of people have dealt with suicide and suicidal thoughts. I've had them. A lot of people have had them. How do you manage? How do you manage? How would you counsel someone going through suicidal thoughts and suicidal episodes? What is your approach there? Because that's when, when they are suicidal, when they are suicidal. they have in the past, like past tense or right now someone is suicidal. Okay, let's just break it up into two. Right now. Someone is saying I'm suicidal right now. If they are right now suicidal, it's an emergency. Yeah. It counts as one of the psychiatric emergencies. Yeah. So they'd be taking you take them straight to a nearest casualty mm-hmm. in a hospital um to get the support. That is what we do. That's the first one, okay. okay. Yeah. Right. So then if they've had a history of suicidal thoughts and suicidal tips. And then now they've been fine for a period of time, and then now they relapse. So you say they relapse. What is happening? 
they go back to having serious thoughts of suicide. Yet again, you, 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 take, you don't take any suicidal thoughts or ideation lightly. So you act on it, basically. Oh, it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because you don't know when somebody might need it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's a very tough Because, I mean, some people will say I'm suicidal, but they don't know it. But you can't take it as attention seeking because you never know when they are. Yeah. And okay. then I'm not saying take everyone to casualty. Yeah. But you deal with it seriously. You don't take it lightly that, oh no, this one's always saying this. Sure. This one has been doing this for the past five years or saying this for the past five years. We need to act on it. Yeah, no, that's a, yeah, that's a, again, that is a really tough one. How do you tell someone who's attention seeking or someone is actually. That's why a professional would be yeah. the right person to assess that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if someone is dealing with certain mental health issues, what would they come to you in your personal capacity? If somebody has got some mental health issues, yes. whatever the issue is, so coming in, what would, they, what would they come to you for help for? What would you be able to assist them with? In my personal capacity, I mean, I mean, in a professional capacity, because like this is a legal vocation, vocation Yes. Do you just only offer education? Would you offer counsel? Okay, somebody is requiring professional mental health care support. Yeah. The right person is a psychologist yeah. or a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. So much. the right person, those are the people that deal with mental health disorders. Yeah. I'm answering yeah. your question. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, so then uh, you are more in education. I'm, I'm psychoeducational, but I'm also, like I'm saying, I'm working in the corporate environment, so I'm working within those spaces and with it for years. Okay. Okay. If I'm making sense. Yeah. But I'm not a psychiatrist. Okay. I'm not consulting people with mental disorders yeah. in a consulting room as oh, a psychiatrist. Okay. Okay. Well, no, I, I get you. The reason why I'm clarifying that is because there is. I've had people just. I oftentimes, um, and I understand, um, people think that they relate with me so much and they want me to be the therapist, but I'm like, I'm always very really explicit in saying that I'm not a psychiatrist. Okay. I'm a medical doctor. Yes, I do have work experience in the development of psychiatry. Sure. And I don't even want to volunteer and say I will refer because how many people am I re- 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 relating with? Okay. So, like, for example, I don't want to make myself like a directory of sorts and say, okay. if you're needing a psychiatrist, if you're needing psychiatric support, contact me. Because yeah. somebody will come in a crisis and, you're and I'm not on the social media platform. So... I don't want to treat myself as if I'm a directory of sorts. That sure, makes sense. Sure. That would be a dangerous thing to do and irresponsible. So if people are struggling, reach out to your South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Sure. If you don't have medical aid. Yeah. Um, that kind of support. Yeah. So there are helplines available for people who require mental health support and then you'll be directed accordingly. No, 100%. So how do we say differentiate? Uh, when I say differentiate, because like you use the word spectrum. Right. And in medical profession, in the medical profession, there's different types of professions. There's a psychologist and there's a psychiatrist. I thought they were exactly the same things. I didn't know what the difference was. No, they're not the same things. This is uh, for the people listening. Give a clarification to what a psychologist is and what a psychiatrist is. Psychologists and psychiatrists do work closely together. Okay. And oftentimes yeah. people just think it's interchangeable. Sure. They, they, 
like I'm saying, they do work closely together. Yeah. As I explained, I kept mentioning that you refer in this way and that way. Yeah. Um, psychiatrists are medical doctors um, who have further specialized in the, in psychiatry, basically. So they've studied medical school. They've done um, medical office time, community service. Then they've studied a further four years to be a psychiatrist. Psychologists have also uh, don't uh, they are psychotherapists as well. They deal with mental um, not only mental illness. You don't have to be psychologist to be a psychologist. Yeah. Um, and they've also done their way of training. Um, they've gotten their masters. They've gotten their honors. Okay. They provide psychotherapy. So their training is different. But like you said, they deal with mental health-related issues. Mm. Yeah. So a psychologist. May refer to a psychiatrist, yeah. psychiatrist to a psychologist, or they or a person may be both. Okay. I see a psychologist every Tuesday of my life. Yeah. I see my psychiatrist every six weeks of my life. Every six weeks. Not not necessarily everyone not everyone does that necessarily yeah. uh, in at that level of frequency, but you can see both people. It doesn't mean yeah. oh you see a psychologist or you see a psychiatrist. Yeah. It depends on what the predominant issue is. If you don't have a mental disorder, yeah. you're not going to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. Okay, so then um, I don't have a mental disorder. I just get uh, sad and I see the petrol prices go up. And that's <laughs> the only thing that really impacts me. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have a mental disorder. What event would rationalize me needing to see a psychiatrist? If you're referred on by like a, a professional that I mentioned, say a yeah. psychologist or, or a doctor, yeah. they find that you have symptoms of a mental illness, okay. then you see a psychiatrist. Oh, if yeah. you have symptoms of a mental illness, or a mental disorder, or you're suspected to have a mental illness, okay. then you see a psychiatrist. Oh, a psychiatrist. And so, what would a psychiatrist, what, like, like in the nitty gritties, in your perspective, what does a psychiatrist actually do? Do they give you that exercises that you need to go do? Do they prescribe medication to They do a combination of one. Combination. Combination. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They also do provide psychotherapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they prescribe medication. Yeah. If you require medication, um, they will refer you on to an occupational therapist if you need an occupational therapist. Okay. So they do a combination of work. Based. What does an occupational therapist do? They deal with, they do assessments. Okay. They do vocational assessments. Oh, okay. Uh, they do, um, they work with mental health care services. Yeah. Um, they have a, it's a variety of work. I don't know the specifics of what they do as well. Mm -hmm. um, like the basement right now, but um, they do amazing work. Okay. All right. Cool. So then that's a psychiatrist. And then the psychologist is, is the psychologist is something there that sits on your system. It's not as basic as people make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They call them a shrink. I don't know what, what, where does that term shrink come from? I don't know. But it's amazing work. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. life changing in my mental sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, so then a psychologist would there talk you through your problems, give you recommendations. Well, what, what, like in your experience, what does a psychologist do? 
Psychotherapy. Psychotherapy. Go there and find out. Okay. <laughs> People just think you it's, it's a very passive process and it's not. Yeah. And sometimes I just say, try going there for yourself maybe two or three times or five times. Yeah. Uh, and see what it's like so yeah. that you can experience it. Because it's, sometimes explaining from the outside doesn't really help. doesn't make sense to other people. And they say, so what are they going to do for me after I leave? Are they going to give me, and some people go there expecting that the psychologist is going to give them a list of to-dos or recommendations to say, okay, this is what you need to do in your life. So I say, I may say that jokingly and I say, go there and find out, but really, in this year that we're starting out um, and in exploring our mental health and well-being, um, make psych- uh, psychotherapy an option that you explore. Yeah, 100%. So... Um, would you recommend a psychotherapy to someone who's just not necessarily having breakdowns or episodes? Everyone. Everyone. I would say if you can afford it. So some people are No, <laughs> especially if you have a mental disorder. Yeah. But I'm saying it's the work of psychologists, I have the utmost respect for it. Sure. sure. Uh, because of the values brought to my life. Yeah. And it's not about having a mental disorder only. But looking after your mental well-being, yeah, um, and and there's different reasons for it. Um, maybe you may need it more at different points in your life. We may not go there every Tuesday, yeah. But try it out, explore, explore, make it something you explore and you see. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So in the books, uh, in the book that you've written, reflections, reflections of a recovery survivor. You mind sharing? And one of the more interesting stories you haven't shared and were in how that you really that you put into the book. So, I have shared. Yeah. I have shared. And yeah, I've shared uh, parts of it already. Yeah. And I think the rest will be read. The, the, mm-hmm. the rest will be read. Yes. <laughs> so where did you uh, can people get your on my website vocalmentality.com. There's a link to Amazon. Yeah. And a link to Take a Lot. Yeah. Um but if you want personalized copies, maybe you can email me vocalmentality.com. There's an icon of my email address yeah. and then take it from there. But vocalmentality.com has a whole range of things that I do. Yeah. Um, and the book link is there as well. Okay. And it explains my reasons for writing the book. Yeah. All okay. All right. No, okay. Is it available in e version as well? Yes, on Amazon and Kindle. Kindle. Oh, Kindle. Is it an audiobook? Uh, no, 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 I haven't done an audiobook as it. Oh, okay. That's, a book. That's, that, that's one thing that, uh, that might be a next question. Is people want audiobooks? I know. As well, I'm like, where's the audio? I was like, I don't want to read it. Like, that's your problem. You must I know, read it. I, I only scored that part. Yeah, the audio one, I haven't done it. No, you must read it. So, in essence, okay, so you are you solely operating your home in South African context or are you going to move globally? Global is the is the plan. So I'm excited about 2024. Yeah, I know. Global is the plan. Global is the intent. Um, Africa, particularly, I want to have a greater reach within Africa. Yeah. Um, mental health education uh, is 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 insufficient. Not not to say it's lacking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think more can be done, and I and um. I went to a conference um, last year in November. Yeah. And I met colleagues from different parts of Africa, yeah, yeah. Uh, different psychiatrists and psychologists. And, and uh, you know, it was incredible. It, it, it sparked that that interest and, and desire within me that I hadn't experienced before. So 
my I yes, I want to go across the different parts of the continents, um, but I definitely want to go higher. Higher, yes, yes, I'd love to. Yeah, um, when they spoke of the need and the lack, and when they approached me, I realized that I, I can still do so much. So, is there a lack? Because I can understand there being a lack here in Italy because I've experienced the lack, mm. and in Africa, I can sort of believe, but in those countries, the Nordic countries, I think Finland, Norway, uh, Sweden. Uh, Denmark, they know you know as the happier countries. They know as the happiest countries in the world. What mental health issues do they particularly potentially have? Is so something that you know anything of? Or? I'm not familiar. I don't have the statistics for that. Just yeah. offhand, so I'd rather not no say. So, yeah. um, I people may people need to one thing people need to realize that financial stability does not equate happiness. So people may think, what? no, being, being, we are all we wish. I know we often people will say that if I just had 10 million or a million or five, I don't know, whatever. Life would go. Life would smooth, be smooth, yeah. be smooth. But that's not reality. So mental health issues is, uh, are a reality because 600 million people are suffering with depression. It's the third. 600 million yes. people. Three. Wow. It's the third most debilitating. Mental health issues are the third more stabilizing conditions, often infectious diseases, your HIV, your, you know, those kind of conditions. So it's not, low, mental health is not lower down in terms of affecting us worldwide. Oh, it's, it's number three in the world. Three in the world. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's more, that's more tired than I thought. Yes. I mean, sure. but, that, but that's the thing that people, people think it's not nice life problems. Yeah. yeah. That relate to mental health. It's not nice life problems. Um, so if you're rich, and famous, what mental health issues could you possibly have? Because you're rich and you're famous. What more could you want? But you remember when I spoke about chemical imbalances, oh, that it's not, okay, it's not related okay. to what's in the bank balance because you wouldn't be having suicide or depression amongst people who have that, um, have that kind of wild or, you know, it, it's, it's not related just to finances, not related to fame and fortune. Uh, these things are biological conditions. Oh, is it okay? Biological. So then, are they? So sometimes are they genetic, or do you just develop? It can be yeah. a combination. Um, these predisposing factors, this genetics, genetics being one of those. Um, so it, it's a variety of things that can lead to mental health conditions. Basically. Oh, okay. And what is the number one cause of our mental health? I don't think it's a number one. They're very based on what the condition is. Okay, okay. All right. So, for example, with bipolar disorder, genetics may be higher up. Yeah. Versus maybe um, depression, it might be something else. Yeah. Um, so, it, 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 um, schizophrenia, it, genetics might be higher up. With other ones, it might be something else. So, depending on what the condition is, mm -hmm. substance abuse might be a different thing. Yeah. So, it, it, it varies. I okay. can't say that the number one leading cause is. There's one thing. Lotion. <laughs> so I get you. So then um, we're at the point where in, in the in, in the conversation where you get to interview me a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, you get to interview me. You get to ask me um, any questions that um, maybe aren't in your mind that's popped up throughout the conversation that you have. 
Okay, why did you invite me and why mental health is the first topic of the video? Right, so why did I invite you? Uh, number one, I sort of have an idea. What intrigued me about your profile and your work that you do is number one, I think your personal story um, and how you introduced to me the one with your friend Otago was say she's like, she's an amazing person. She's a medical doctor, I'm like a medical doctor, right? And she's uh, had this um, this good uh, bipolar disorder, and she's dealing with it through vocal mentality. So that entire chain of events is smart. It's you know what the di- you know what the difference between a hero and a villain is in my mind. The difference between a hero and a villain is the decision that they make with the cause of the adults. So a a, a hero, Batman. Mm-hmm. When he, his parents were killed when he was nine years old. So basically, he's saying the world hurts me. So I'm going to make sure it doesn't hurt other people. Right? Then a villain, like the Joker, uh, like the latest movie done by Todd Phillips in 2019, society broke into the point where he started becoming a murder psychopath. He decided the decision that Joker made said, the world hurts me. So I'm going to hurt everyone else. So the decision with that, so that's why that's why I consider you a hero or a heroine because of the decision that you made. You said I've got this uh, story and I want to make sure it helps other people. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody says, "Well, this is the cause of doubt, so let me just cause chaos because of it." So that's how I so I consider you a hero because of the decision that you made. So that's why I decided. Literally, let me be on my list for people that I want to start to have conversations with. And why mental health? It's because personally, I've struggled with it a lot. And when I told people I've struggled with uh, mental health before, suicidal thoughts before, the question that was being given to me is like, what are you struggling with before? Mm-hmm. You've got you've got a good living, you've got work, books that you're doing, um, you've got a grow up in a, 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 a decent household. What mental health issues would you be struggling with? So I felt misunderstood for a very long time until I just went on my own uh, journey um, to the understanding. And also, the third book I'm writing, Father of Man, it is the most deep and introspective book I've ever written because of deal with that issues that men have men are dealing with mental health is a big one of the facts often. Um dealing with finances and dealing with the pressure of being uh, wanting to be a good man. Not being a man, wanting to be a good man because it's protecting to provide and also you're not given a break as guy. Mm-hmm. As a man, you're given less excuses and given less and less runway to make mistakes. This is uh, one of my favorite quotes from the Godfather movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, the Godfather, he said, men can't afford to be careless. Women can, but men can't afford to be careless. What I'm taking from that is not misogyny, but what I'm taking from that is uh, generally men are the protectors and providers and breakers, traditionally speaking. And if they are careless, their children and their wives, they will suffer. 
So I think that's uh, the precipice for men having their mental and mental issues. So mental health is very important, especially in today's age, social media and like TikTok videos mm. and YouTube shorts and people having this fake life out there and they're veiling what issues they're really going, uh, they're really having. So I want to have this dialogue to say, this is what's actually happening and this is what the actual problem is. And this is how we're actually dealing with We need to deal with this as a society, as a whole. So that's why I need to help. Now, the first topic I have um, of the year. Um, yeah. But the first, nor is it going to be the last this material because, uh, because of that entire, entire story. So I want people to, to hear your story as well as so that they can make the decision that they can will be a hero. And not a villain because why are people taking their pain and reflecting on other people? Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear stories of, let's say, you hear stories of women who have been done wrong, they've been cheated on, right? They're like, I am going to get some issues and just like, you know, all of them. But then now that you're not solving the issue, like you're broken, you need to go and fed up, broken, you've, you've been hurt, so you need to go and deal with that as well. So, from a mental health perspective, if you have a mental health issue, you've been through life, people have died around you, people have stolen from you, you've gone through the most. You know, people say, I've gone through the most, yeah, you've gone through the most. Then why not do the most to fix yourself and become better? And have that open dialogue to say, it's okay to have a, because I say, I, I say I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a life coach, I've got someone who plays for me, I'm going to get myself a psychologist every two, two weeks to a month. Go do those regular check-ins just to make sure that I'm like mentally balanced because life, yeah, life, life is hard. <laughs> they didn't tell me this when I was five years old. They didn't tell me this when I was five no. years old. Like, no, like, no, you'll find out for yourself. You'll find out for yourself. No, I don't want to find out for myself. Tell me that life is hard. So when I find out that life was hard, it got really difficult. Then I was like, okay, so how do you actually deal with it? Because life being hard is not going to go away. Life being expensive is not going to go away. Um, people looking up to you is not going to go away. So manage it. You say it's a journey. And it ends when you die. But positive. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's when you die. You know, like someone said to me, um, people who don't have problems are in the cemetery. <laughs> you know? So you don't even know what you're doing in the afterlife. So you don't even know that. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so I think mental health is very important because I've had uh, a number of like men, not mental breakdowns. That's the thing, like uh, nervous breakdowns. No, like I can't watch you. I can't watch you walk anywhere. I'm working with some boys for all day, or I'll play video games for the whole day. Maybe even then that gives me mental issues because I lose in my mm-hmm. my games, and then that doesn't help. So I think that's why I, I wanted you on so I can learn from you because um, wisdom is learning from other people's journeys. And I don't, I don't want to go through what you were through. I can just read your book and listen to your conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, that's why I wanted you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have no other questions. <laughs> you are you are forced to ask one more question. One, okay, I'm forced to ask one question. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, what was the standout light bulb moment in our conversation in everything we spoke about yeah what was the light bulb or the standout so epiphany moment the, the epiphany moment for me was 
<laughs> six months <laughs> six months I've never done my life the, the stand out for me again um, you're really going through what I call this the hero's journey mm-hmm. the standout moment was you being open to say this is the episode that happened this was the scale of the episode this wasn't just maybe it wasn't a joke it wasn't staged this wasn't done in with between like five people who are understanding, who know yes. you. This is as public as it gets within your context. Mm-hmm. And again, not just not, not like this like series, like senior executives, the group that you created, many voice notes to the point where you couldn't hide from yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, like one of the biggest gems you shared was. You can't escape yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I wish you could say that. Because <laughs> 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 I want to escape myself. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of go to New York and mm-hmm. look in the mirror and still get out of hands. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can't escape yourself. So if you can't escape yourself, you have to face yourself. So then that's now I'm like, hey, now I find change when I can't confront mm-hmm. Man, he's going right to my journal and then date myself because of the sound being called okay onto my show. So that was the, the light bulb moment to say that this is what happened. Okay. I went through this episode. Some people call it psychotic or whatever the case is. And then you had the liberty of you having six months to go and figure out. This turns out. And then you made the, the Batman decision. Yeah, I get your terminology. Not jumping out, not wearing tights or all that, but making the Batman decision to say, I'm going to do the best that I can to make sure other people don't get hurt. So, Volkman mm-hmm. Tats came out of that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just like one of, one of the, the first. Uh, one of the first big keynotes I delivered was around the top of the day that turns life around from mm. uh, baseball and the story of Jim Rohn. So what, uh, what that is, is it's also part of what the Joker does as well, so it's like twofold. Mm. Um, there's a, a statement that says, all it takes is one bad day to change your life. You just need that one bad that everyone, everyone has, you can have a series of those days, but everyone knows at one day that really changed their life. Everyone knows, for example, someone lost their father in a car accident, that one day shifted their life. Mm. Or if someone got fired or in a great chemistry, you know, South Africa can just fire people you work worked out or whatever it is, that changed their life. Or if someone got raped or someone uh, almost got murdered, that thing changed their life. That that one day that changed your life. So then I talk about the day that turns your life around. And now you've that when that day happens, you can make a decision. And that decision is this is where my life is going to change and it has to change. Or you could be and make the other decision to say, This is how life is going to be. Mm-hmm. So for so for me, I had multiple things that turn that turn my life around. Like, the first one I talk about is when I was, when I was 12, I was just like, got the 22 percent for maths. I don't ask me what happened. <laughs> well, well, 22 percent for maths. And the 32 percent you need to pass that is. And mm-hmm. I, I was literally not playing around. So my dad took me on a drive. I thought he was going to murder me. 
uh, like they usually do, sitting uh, on a drive in Davidson, Pinoni, uh, and it was dark at night. He <laughs> wasn't saying anything. Um, and he's going to open with me here somewhere. And he said, uh, you make it in life not because you're handsome, but because you work hard. So then from that moment, I made a decision that I'm going to do my best to work as hard as possible. Um, so then the day that turned your life around, I don't know if it was the index presentation, but for me, what I got in the conversation is the day that we turned life around was that episode. It was like, I, right? Yeah. So I think that's the, the major gem that I passed. Um, and from, and obviously the bravery that it takes to tell like, who is it? Who did I hear this from? Some of those, those, those cliche Christian uh, sayings. God can, you know, those preachers, God can take your mess and turn it into a message, you know? But like, I think we took, took whatever convolution and made it to a yes, that people are going to take now going forward, which is, I think is very inspiring, you know? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, that is the conclusion of our conversation with Dr. Uh, Samge, is it Dr. J? Samge J. <laughs> what is the J sound for? Joan. Joan. Like J O A. Yes. I show them up. Yes. Okay, show them up. Yeah, okay, great. So, uh, Dr. Sabia J. Novo, and she is, uh, a medical doctor and a, uh, psychoeducational professional. And she's changing the world. She's kind for all of the biggest nations of the world. She's kind for you. Thank you. Help me. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Um, we've had a great conversation here about, uh, her mental health, her journey. I consider her a hero. I know other people should consider her a hero as well. Or heroine, whatever the term is. I'll just use hero just to, mm-hmm. just have you out there. And thank you very much for your story and being brave about it and being speak about it. So now I can officially tell people that you're my friend now. And so thank you very much for everyone for tuning in. And uh, don't mind some of the background, it was raining and I started raining anymore, which which is beautiful. Uh, Thank you very much for joining the first podcast of uh, 2024 on the NGA podcast. Remember, the theme of the podcast is success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal. That means you're going after what you always want to go after because it's aligned with your highest values. And that is the only way for you to have a truly fulfilled and successful life. And until the next episode, we'll see you there. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. There we go. That was really good too. I enjoyed that. Thank you so much. I enjoyed that a lot. Thank you for joining us on this episode on the NJ Podcast. Make sure to visit the website at the njpodcast.captivateair.fm where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, all the other podcast platforms or via RSS so you never miss a show. You can also find the video content on the YouTube channel and Instagram page. That will be Njablo James on YouTube and Njablo.j.ngosi for Instagram. Please subscribe and follow on those platforms as well. And while you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast platforms or if you'd like to tell a friend about the show that will help us out too 
If you'd like more information about published or upcoming books, visit www.njablojames.com for more information. Please reach out if you'd like to share what you would like to hear and which guests should be invited to the show. And remember, success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal, which means that you are doing what you have always wanted to do because it is aligned with your highest values and this is the only way you can live a truly fulfilled life. Now just chill until the next episode.